Amen. Hey, we are so excited, like I said before, to have you. And uh, just for a moment, can we just lift up the name of Jesus Christ wherever you are, wherever you are watching us right now? Let us lift up the name of Jesus Christ because he alone is worthy to be praised. Amen. Father God, we love you. And we're just so honored to be here this morning with you in your presence, God, giving you, Lord, the glory and the honor and the praise that you desire, Father. Uh, regardless of everything happening around us, Lord God, our attention is focused upon you. So God, as we now go into your word and, and we spend a few moments together looking at your scriptures, God, speak to all of us, Lord. Speak to our hearts and our minds and our spirits. Father, bring a challenge before us so that it bring changes in our lives. And more importantly, God, we pray, Lord, for salvation to those who do not know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray and the church says, amen. Awesome. Oh, man, it's great having all of you here with us this morning. And um, I'm just so honored to stand here and to be able to have church with you. And uh, we are starting what is going to be a brand new sermon series called Jesus Is. And I can't, um, you know, I, I was thinking about it this week. I don't think there's any more fitting topic than just that right now. A, a series that is going to lead us up into Easter. And uh, so over the next several weeks, our eyes are going to be opened and focused to what is considered as the grace and the mercy and the truth that walked the face of this earth. And really, our goal for the next few weeks is going to internalize and know just who Jesus Christ is to all of us. I would like for us to be very honest. And like I said, I can't think of anything better for us to focus on and what is considered in these times of uncertainty. You know, we may be surrounded with many doubts and fears, anxieties and questions, concerns, interruptions, and even worries. But there is a constant within all humanity, a constant that has always been, a constant that is right now, and a constant that will always be. And that constant is Jesus Christ. So what I want to do is I want us to go ahead and take off this morning within our theme verse throughout this series. And let's take a look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, looking at verses 1 through 2. And this is what the word of the Lord says. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, some things we can know about Jesus uh, is that he is inclined to have relationship with you. He wants relationship with you. He desires relationships with you. In fact, the Bible itself tells us that Jesus is interceding on our behalf to the Father, saying, look, I know what they have gone through because Jesus is able to identify with everything that we face. And let's face it, we are facing a whole lot right now. So today, what we're going to look at as a trait of Jesus, and that is this, Jesus is our teacher. Now, Jesus uh, is, is considered and, and should be considered, was and is and will always be considered as the greatest teacher to have ever lived. One thing I want to remind you is that Jesus's ministry did not end when he was placed on that cross, but really his ministry began to take off in that moment. We know this, that Jesus is the greatest mentor of all. 
He's the greatest example that we should pattern our lives after. In fact, the Gospels, um, it is mentioned over 48 times that as Jesus being referred to as a teacher, we see within Scripture that people follow Jesus. We know that Jesus is contagious. Wherever Jesus went, people were there. Even to some of the most remote places, people would sit or stand for hours. They would go without food. They would be around just to listen and to be able to follow Christ's teachings. We know this about Jesus. He was relevant. He's authentic. Jesus is real. We see even within his teachings some humor. But most importantly, Jesus taught to us by example. Everything he did and everything he said was the absolute truth. Now, Jesus was talking to his disciples in John chapter 13, verse 15. And he says these words, I have set you an example. In other words, what is he saying there? He's saying, I, I'm showing you what to do. I'm showing you how to respond. I'm showing you even uh, how, how to, to capture those emotions that you are struggling with. And let's just face it right now. We need to look at the example that Jesus Christ has given us in capturing our emotions and understanding how real and true he is and, and the example that he has given each and every one of us. But the word goes on to say, and this is the reason why, that you should do as I have done for you. Now, what Jesus was doing in this moment and saying was hours, just simply hours before he was to be placed on the cross. He was showing them literally what humility and obedience look like. The hands that, that formed the stars in the sky and molded the mountains and, and told the sea to stop. The Bible says that nations will bow before him. And we see here in just a few scriptures later that Jesus was doing something uh, extraordinary showing absolute humility. He went to the feet of his disciples and washing them, kneeling down, and he practiced the perfect display of humility in this moment, showing them that the last shall be first and explaining them what true humility looks like. We don't think of this, but imagine him elevating the foot of Judas and what must have gone through his mind in that moment as he was washing his feet. Or how about this, elevating the feet of Peter and knowing that in just a few hours, he would deny him. What an example. What a way for you and I to be taught how we need to respond in our humanity and in our, in our lives. Jesus came to demonstrate to us life. He came to teach us how to live and he came to lead simply by example. And what I want us to do is look at a few moments and what does this look like? What does it look like when we don't know what to do? Proverbs gives us a great uh, a book of knowledge and wisdom and know-how. So I wanna look in chapter 14, verse two in Proverbs. And the word of the Lord says this, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. When there is an absence of an example, we have tendencies to respond this way. 
How about this? We've all been here, okay? And, and these, are, these are characteristics of us that, that we continually fall to, but I really think we need to point them out. And the first one would be, we try and fix things ourselves. In other words, we don't need anyone else. So we have the best idea, the best plan. We have the best know-how. You know, problems in marriage or problems with an addiction or problems within your family. And, and we're spinning our wheels continually. But the, what's unfortunate about that is we're really gaining no traction because we're trying to fix these issues in life on our own. How about the very thing that we're being faced with right now within our world? We are spinning our wheels and we're trying to find answers, but let me help you. The only answer that you and I truly have, and it's the most important answer, and that is Jesus Christ. You see, God has taught us differently and not relying upon ourselves, but relying upon him. Here's something else that we often do. When we realize that we can't do it, we look to everyone else. I mean, take a look at your social media accounts. You know, take a look at the text messages that you have with your, your, your close uh, circle of friendships, those that you are influencing or influenced by. We realize that we cannot conquer or fix these things that we're going through on our own. So what we do is we turn to different people. We turn to different avenues looking for some type of release or even relief. We start making decisions off of what others are telling us to do or going through their life examples. When really the example that has been given to us is the example of Jesus Christ through his scriptures. Then next thing that we do is we learn to live with it. This is extremely dangerous. We become numb to our situation. We, 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 we've tried to fix it ourselves. We have turned to others and then we simply just give up and we become numb over. And so we learn to live with it. In other words, this is just how life is going to be. I want to encourage you to understand that the life that you are currently living and experiencing right now is not the fullness of what God has intended for your life. You see, we get to a place where we quit. We, we, we stop seeking the truth. We, we decorate our walls around us and think this is just how life is going to be and this is how I'm going to have to live moving forward. Some of you right now understand this progression all too well. Maybe life is a pattern for you or has been patterned this way time after time. Being at a place where you just simply give up, thinking that you have exhausted every avenue, but I want you to understand you have not exhausted every avenue. There is a fourth step that we're gonna look at within all of this progression. After we have done everything else, we've looked toward others, we've tried to fix it ourselves. We have gotten to a place where we're just going, well, this just must be how life is. And we're learning to live in our circumstance. This is what we finally do, which is what we should do to start with. We turn to God. After we have spun our wheels and done everything imaginable, we turn to God. God has become our safety net or has become our last resort. My question to you this morning is that what would it be like if God was our first response? If God was the first thing that we ran to rather than the last thing or even the second thing? Jesus walked this earth as a man. 
not just as a book of instructions, taking us through progression of things that he wanted to teach us. It's as if he was thinking that they are going to go through some times where they're not going to understand and they're not going to make the right choices. And let's just be honest, that we're not being very smart. Jesus might be saying to us, I want to make sure that they don't go through anything where they don't have the answer to it. Many of you today, you're trying to fix things on your own. You're at a place where you're turning to others. You're, 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 some of you are allowing yourselves to be engulfed in the emotion and attitude of, well, this just might be how life is moving forward. My circumstances will not change. I'm becoming complacent to the point of just saying, this must be how everything is going to be. I want us to do something and I want us to stop. We need to stop right where we are, right in our doubt, right in our fear, right in our anxieties, right in our worry, and look to him. Ephesians chapter five, verse one, spells it this way to us. It says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children. Follow my example. In other words, he's saying, I'm trying to show you how to live. You and I, we are to learn and imitate Jesus. Our father has given us the great example, and that is his son, Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus is our great teacher. He's our great example. He is our mentor. We know that we can model that and we can learn from that. Taking the pattern that he has given each and every one of us and duplicate that pattern within our own lives. Because we have been shown, we have been instructed, and now we have a responsibility, and that is simply to follow him. One of the things that Jesus wants to show us is this. Number one, how to overcome temptation. Temptation, that, that could be a very broad term for us. Temptation within sin, temptation within how we're living our lives, the decisions that we are making, even temptations and the emotions that we're allowing to brew uh, inside of us that's coming within our outside. Jesus was in the wilderness, and the Bible says, and he was there to be tempted. Jesus knew why he was there, and we see that while he was there, he was doing a spiritual discipline uh, that I encourage um, all believers to do in a season within their lives each year. And we do it here at our church, and that is a time of fasting. So Jesus was in a fast. He was in a very vulnerable moment because this was the human side of him coming out. He had hunger. He was weak. He was tired. He was extremely vulnerable in this state. And don't you know that in the most vulnerable moments within our lives, it's as, if, as, it's as if the enemy in that moment just really comes to the surface to try to manipulate. John chapter 10 and 10 tells us that the enemy is here to do something, what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And in this moment, Satan knew that if he could subdue Jesus into giving into these temptations, that not only would he have defeated Christ, but he would also have defeated each one of us. So it goes to show to each one of us each time that we are facing life's temptations, knowing that within our lives, it's not only targeting you and I, but it's also targeting those that you are closest to. 
Listen, when we get tired, weak, frustrated, and simply enter into the most vulnerable times or parts of our lives and our state, guess who comes creeping in? The enemy. We can all identify with this. Satan is saying, I know that you're hungry to Jesus. He's saying, I know that you're hungry. So go ahead and turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus, with everything inside of him, looks to him and he says this in Matthew chapter four, verse four. He says, and this is a very key area. I want you to highlight this area. It says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on another area to highlight, on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here we are, the enemy looks to him again. He's not giving up. He's very strategic in what he's trying to do. The same way he is within our lives. And he comes back, he comes and looks to him again and he takes some more time and, and then takes Jesus to, to an edge and says, if you will drop yourself down, the angels will catch you. Jesus has a response to that. Matthew chapter four, verse seven. Jesus says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. The enemy comes again to find him. And he says, Jesus, here's what you should do. Bow down, worship me, and I will give you everything. And finally, Jesus looks at him in Matthew chapter four, verse 10. And he says this, away from me, Satan, for it is written. We see those words again. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. In these moments, Jesus defeated the devil or Satan or the enemy by what? The word of God. That is why he is trying, and that is what he is trying to tell you and I this morning, right where you're at, that the power is in the word of God, and that power is made available to each and every one of us. I tell the church all the time, be a part of a Bible reading plan. Get involved within your version app or, or within in, in your tangible Bible. Imagine what it would be like if every time a temptation came our way, that our first response was not trying to figure, out, figure it out on our own, that our first response was not uh, looking to others, that our next response wasn't to just give up and say, I'm becoming numb to all of this right now, and the only thing I'm gonna do is just live in it and have to deal with it. But our first response would be to turn to God's word and turn to him and allow the God to speak to us through the power of his Holy Spirit in giving us the direction that we need. Matthew chapter four, verse 11 says this, because of how Jesus responded, then the devil left him. And when that happened, the angels came and attended him. What does that tell me? That God's word wins every single time. Now, secondly, we can look at this, how to face impossible situations, right? How to face these impossibilities. In John chapter 11, there's this man named Lazarus. We know uh, through scripture that we read Lazarus was a great friend of Jesus. Lazarus ends up dying and Jesus wasn't close by when this happened. Lazarus' sisters ended up uh, coming to him or having word go to him saying, your friend is sick. By the time that Jesus gets there, Lazarus has already passed. He's in the tomb. And as he approaches, Mary and Martha run to him, Lazarus' sisters. 
saying Lazarus is dead and you haven't saved him. What was happening in that moment is that they were facing a very real impossible situation. And they wanted some type of miracle to occur within their own timetable. Scripture tells us that Jesus wept. I can't help but to think here, did Jesus weep because his good friend had passed away? Because understand this, nothing ever takes God by surprise. Or was Jesus weeping because of the lack of faith that was being demonstrated? Nothing, let me repeat that to you, nothing has ever taken God by surprise. Even in this season that we have entered into as a nation, as a culture, a society, and a world, nothing is taking God by surprise. God has a plan through all of this. And it is yours and myself, our responsibility to trust in his plan. One of the things I often tell my sons is this, and, and I've, I've kind of engraved this within their minds, and I only get the first few words out, and then they finish it, and I say, God has a what? And they repeat, plan for my life. God has formed you. He's designed you, and he has placed a plan specifically for your life. Do not allow the surrounding circumstances to determine how you will respond but allow your relationship in Christ, knowing that he has a plan to give you what? Peace and confidence that in the greatest storms that we may face, God is still under control of everything. He still cares for all things. The Bible says that um, Jesus questions those sisters and, he's, and, and, and asks them, do you believe? Now, Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus. Lazarus has been dead for four days now. And Jesus walks up and says, do you think I can do it? I would say that Jesus is pretty well asking us the very same question today. In this, what may appear to be an impossible situation and, and dreadful, something that none of us are excited about, but Jesus would look at us and say, do you have faith that I can overcome this situation? What is the solution to impossible situations? Faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six tells us this. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. When Jesus saw their faith, what did he do? We know this, Lazarus arose. Lazarus came forward. The result of their faith that looked impossible became a very real situation, a very real moment in their lives. Why? Because they began to submit to what to God's plan was. And that leads us into number three. How do we, or how to submit to God's plan? This one's tough. We all have been this way that where we want to go is the opposite direction that God has for our lives sometimes. We want to become overwhelmed with fear and worry. Jesus taught us this way, how to submit to God's plan. And that is simply through obedience. Know this, that God has a plan for your life. One that is unique and one that is specific, that was completely and strategically designed specifically for you. All he is asking in return is for you to be obedient. God could be telling you something. And, and if you were to share that with someone, they may say, there is no way that's God. 
Have you really submitted your life to God? I want to ask you that question for a moment. Kind of breaking away here for just a, a split second. But have you really submitted your life to God? Where are you right now? For many of you, this is the first time that I've had an audience with you in a church setting. I mean, sure, I've done uh, your, your, your child's wedding, right? I've, I've prayed over banquets that you have attended. And I've possibly even coached your children. But what I really want to communicate to you for a moment is Jesus Christ. The love that he has for you, a love that is unconditional, a love that is unfailing, a love that is freely given to you and I because there's a debt that we will never be able to pay, that he has offered us a gift of eternal life, that Jesus Christ has offered a peace that goes beyond understanding. How can we be so confident and so full of peace in times like we are facing right now because of the hope that Jesus has given all of us? because of the empowerment that he has promised us through the power of his Holy Spirit. So my question to you this morning would be, have you truly submitted your life to Jesus Christ? Where are you? First Peter chapter two and verse 21 says this, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. I often think about the prayer where Jesus is in the garden just hours before he would place, be placed on the cross. He is praying to his father that this cup would pass from him. He wasn't feeling what was about to take place in no way. He was extremely uncomfortable. But then Jesus says one of the most remarkable, obedient statements. It is something that you and I need to do within our own life. And that is this, not my will, but your will be done. You know, there's a story with Jesus when he went to the whipping post and they were beating him and they were ridiculing him. And our Christ was bound up. Jesus possibly in that moment, raising his eyes to see that that whipping post that he was bound to, uh, he was in pain and he was in agony. But for myself and my own walk with the Lord, I can't help but not imagine that every whip Every ridicule, every nail, every breath, every pain had a name attached to it. And that name is your name. That name is my name. In that moment, even though it was outside of what his human nature would want to have happened, he was yet obedient to God's plan. And how was he obedient? Number four, by showing an unconditional love. How do you and I show this unconditional love. I don't know, maybe like, thank you, Lord, for teaching us how to overcome temptations through the word of God. Thank you, Jesus, for when we face the impossible situations that this world has given us, that God, you have not given up on us. That God, thank you for showing us the importance of submitting to your plan, to your will, through the acts of obedience. But God's unconditional love is a love that we struggle at understanding. It's a love that Jesus taught us. And that love is forgiveness. A forgiveness that has been offered to each and every one of us. A forgiveness that we should value 
we should gravitate to, that we should be running toward. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can never truly experience love until you offer the same forgiveness that has been offered to you to others. We should be reminded of the woman who was brought before Jesus. She was labeled as the sinner of all sinners. She was lost, horrible reputation. And they bring her before Jesus to be condemned. And Jesus looks at her in the eyes and simply says something so profound something that he's saying to each one of us today, and that is simply these words, be free. Be free from the guilt. Be free from the reputation. Be free from the shame. Because I have forgiven you. Because I have a love that is unconditional, a love that is unwavering, and a love that will never be matched. The story goes on to say that Jesus is sitting at this dinner party and this very same woman walks into the room and she's got a jar with her and she breaks open that jar and she pours this perfume on our Christ's feet. In an act of love and an act of sacrifice in that moment, the Bible says that she pours that perfume over his feet and begins to weep. She's no longer weeping in condemnation. In that moment, she is not weeping because of what others think of her. She's weeping tears of joy, tears of worship, tears of praise because of what has happened to her, because of the forgiveness and the release that has happened within her life, the forgiveness that was offered in that moment. Luke chapter seven, verse 47 says this, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, she was experiencing forgiveness. But who has ever been forgiven, little loves little. Forgiveness allows us in our own lives to, to purify our hearts. When we forgive, it allows us to have a love that is simply unconditional. Jesus did not come to this earth to die, but he also came to this earth to teach us love and to love unconditionally, to teach us how to live, to teach us not to fully rely on our own well-being and our own thoughts and our own wisdom, to teach us not to rely on the wisdom of our friends or those that we have so much trust in, to teach us not to just give up in our situations and think this is simply just how life is going to be. Let me tell you, this is not all that God has planned for your life. God has great things in store for you. He is not finished, but yet he's just starting. He's still beginning within you. Right now, more than ever, we need to duplicate his teachings within our lives. We need to be the example 
in the society, in the world that we live in. As Christ followers, it is up to us to be the light of this world, to be the salt of this earth. Right where you're at, if you would this morning, I wanna encourage you to bow your heads, to close your eyes. I wanna talk to you for a minute and give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're viewing with us today or you're listening on the radio or you're listening on the podcast, wherever you are, I want you to take a few moments and just reflect upon your life. If you don't know who this Jesus Christ is, if you've not made the commitment to him today, I don't want this opportunity to slip away. Because look, you don't have to do this thing called life on your own. That Jesus is wanting to be a part of your life. He's just looking for you to accept him. So here's what I want us to do. Keeping your heads bowed and your eyes closed and being reverent in this moment, I want us to say a prayer. And I want all of you to repeat this prayer. And my prayer is that many of you are repeating this. This is your time of your accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So let us pray. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Be my master. Be my Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would forgive me of my sins. And from this day forward, Lord, may I live my life completely dependent upon you. So, Father, I thank you and I praise your holy name. Amen. Right where you're at, can we just give God just a moment of thanksgiving and praise? Because I'm believing that many people have just given their lives to Jesus Christ. And then that, that is you. I want you to reach out to us as a church. Reach out to us on our Facebook Messenger. You can reach out to us through calling us at 757-336-5161. But reach out to us. We want to hear from you. We want to know that you made a commitment to Jesus Christ. And we want to put some tools and opportunities in your hands to help strengthen that commitment for you. But here we are, guys. I'm not done. Here we are. In a moment with so much uncertainty. So many things are going through our minds. So many questions. I want you to understand that Jesus Christ has everything in his plan. Nothing has taken him by surprise. And he is watching over us, each and every one of us as Christ followers. I want you to be assured of that. Don't let that go. But the challenge that's been brought before us today is this. Are we gonna duplicate his teachings? Are we gonna listen to his teachings? Are we gonna live the example that he has given us, allowing the word of God to be key in overcoming temptation? Being obedient when it comes to the plan that he has for our lives. The answer has been given right before us. It's been presented to you this morning. And my prayer today is that you are accepting this challenge and that you are allowing Jesus Christ to be that example in your life. And so what I want us to do before we end this service and this gathering that we have um, this morning, I want us to say a word of prayer together. Father, we love you. God, I just praise your name and I worship you. Even in times of uncertainty, God, we worship you. 
even when we don't know all the answers or have all the answers or really do we even need all the answers. The only answer we truly need is you, Jesus Christ. You are the ultimate teacher. You're the mentor. You're the example. You are the pattern that we are to live our lives and follow in. Help us as Christ followers to do just that. Help us not to depend upon ourselves or others or give up. But God, may we allow you to be our first response at everything. May we seek you in all things. God, may we develop a hunger and a thirst for more of your word and more of your spirit and more of time, Lord, within prayer and devotion with you. Father, where everyone is, wherever they are right now, I pray, God, that you would just touch their lives. Speak to them right now, Lord, allowing your Holy Spirit to be in that living room, to be in that kitchen, to be in that bedroom, wherever they may be, God, to be with them right now speaking to them, giving them, Lord, words of encouragement, leading them, Lord, in the way that they should go and live their lives. And God, help us. Help us to do this, one, not only for our own life, but those lives, God, that we are surrounded with every day within our home, workplaces, schools, circles of influence. Help us to be that example so that we can be like the early church, and make a difference and an impact in our culture, society, nation, and world for the purpose of this, that others will be added to the church daily. Daily, Father. So God, we love you and we praise you and we worship you. And Lord, as the psalmist said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen. We love you guys. Have a great day. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday at seven. God bless.